Brett McGarry with Greg Mackling. Greg has just come to the realization the long weekend, August long, is this upcoming weekend. That's fantastic. <laughs> Happy Terry Fox Day in advance. Jeff Forte is heading out to Winnipeg Beach. We just discussed a whole bunch of stuff in the last 90 seconds. Eastlandingadagarin is this weekend. Oh, man. Were you just talking about walking? Did I, can I talk about this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you just talk about walking from the Viking in Gimli back to Winnipeg Beach? Yeah. Yeah. It was... Uh, <laughs> here, here's a quick story. Okay. So Gimli, like Winnipeg Beach to Gimli is maybe what? Like a 20-minute drive? Half oh, hour? No, it's not even that much. Maybe 15? like 12 minutes maybe. It's been a while. 13. Since I've done it, so I can't remember. From Salties to the Viking? I'm going to say 14 minutes. Oh, okay. All right. So that's... Very specific. Just a, just a guess. <laughs> okay. So we drove to the Viking, and I had a couple of drinks, but I wasn't... We weren't entirely sure how we were going to get home, but okay. we figured what somebody will be able to drive. So I had a couple of drinks. I said, you know what? I'll drive us because I don't want to have to worry about how we're going to get out of here. But RCMP were there, and... Do, that's good for them. There was it was a huge party. They had the patio. They got a special license, so the whole parking lot was a patio, and they had like this Budweiser touring bus, which like opened up into a three floor bar. Under I remember itself. that it was a huge party. So naturally, the RCMP were there. They were set up, and they were checking everybody. Everybody that was getting in a car and leaving was being stopped and checked. And I, so I went up and asked one of them, I said, listen, I haven't had a drink for like four hours. Can I, but I don't know if that qualifies, if that'll be a penalty. Can you give me a breathalyzer right now? No. If you want to get in your car and test your luck, yes. Really? Yeah. So we didn't want it. We didn't take the chance and we walked. (laughs) We walked up the highway back to Winnipeg Beach and, uh. How long did it take? Like three hours, because it's a you know we're tired. We're not we we weren't wearing walking shoes. We were all wearing stuff to go to the bar. So and we were tired and drunk. So of course it took a long time to get back. And uh, but it was an experience. And oddly enough, we ended up doing it again. We repeated the mistake a couple of years later. So don't be like me, Jeff Forte. Come go to the bar with a plan. Winnipeg Beach to Gimli, Manitoba, 14.8 kilometers via Provincial Trunk Highway 9N. Oh, so that's not even 14 minutes. It's like probably 10 minutes. Yeah, but it's it's mostly 70 kilometers an hour through there, right? So it's a long walk, short drive, long walk. Don't walk. It's not fun. That's the best way to, to do it. Best way to say it. Is the Viking even there? I'm pretty sure it's still there. I thought they I, had a fire at that hotel or something. 204-780-6868. What was the name of the, the pub, actually? Two Friends Pub Club oh, or something? Oh, boy. Everybody just called it the Viking, kind of like how everybody referred to the how it refers to the bar in Transcona as the Oak. Hasn't been the Golden Oak Inn for decades, but well, it's still that, known as the Oak. And, of course, uh, Sidwine Gordon Inn was mirrors forever. We just called it the A, and it hadn't been the A since like the late 1980s, mid-90s. <laughs> we still just call it the A, the big wankin' A. All right. So okay, that's so now long weekend. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, long weekend. Long weekend's coming up. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, we touched on this yesterday. We did this uh, just after the 3.30 news on 680 CJOB. Greg found this article... 
which reads, Your kids should not be the most important in the family. Now, this dates back to Sunday, January 1st of this year. In the Naples Daily News, where did you dig this up? It has been showing up on my Facebook uh, feed the last few days. I enjoyed reading the article, and I enjoyed the comments associated with the article on the feeds of people that I know who have been posting it. So I shared it. I got a couple of responses, and uh, I thought this would be an outstanding topic of conversation for a couple segments. So here we go. Let's give it a try. Give it a whirl. So John writes, I recently asked a married couple who have three kids, none of whom are yet teens. Who are the most important people in your family? Like all good moms and dads of this brave new millennium, they answered, our kids. (laughs) Why? I then asked. What is it about your kids that gives them that status? And like all good moms and dads of this brave new millennium, they couldn't answer the question other than to fumble with appeals to emotion. So I answered the question for them. There is no reasonable thing that gives your children that status. I went on to point out that many, if not most, of the problems they're having with their kids, typical stuff these days, are the result of treating their children as if they, their marriage, and their family exist because of the kids, when it is, in fact, the other way around. Their kids exist because of them and their marriage and thrive because they have created a stable family. Furthermore, without them, their kids wouldn't eat well, have the nice clothing they wear, live in the nice home in which they live, enjoy the great vacations they enjoy, and so on. Instead of lives that are relatively carefree, despite the drama to the contrary that they occasionally manufacture, their children would be living lives full of worry and want. I'll just read one more paragraph here. This issue is really the heart of the matter. People my age... The author, John Roseman, who looks to be, I don't know, late 40s, early 50s, maybe. This issue is really the heart of the matter. People my age know it's the heart of the matter. Because when we were kids, it was clear to us that our parents were the most important people in our families. And that right there is why we respected our parents. And that right there is why we looked up to adults in general. Yes, Virginia, once upon a time in the United States of America, children were second-class citizens to their Advantage. Read the next part, because I think this is good, too. And I know you are uh, reading and trying to be mindful of time, but this next paragraph is important as well. It was also clear to us, I speak, of course, in general terms, albeit accurate, that our parents' marriages were more important to them than their relationships with us. Therefore, we did not sleep in their beds or interrupt their conversations. The family meal at home was regarded as more important than after-school activities. Mom and Dad talked more, a lot more, with one another than they talked with you. For lack of pedestals, we emancipated earlier and much more successfully than have children since. I think it's important to note, too, that the author goes on to point out that, you know, The CEO, the head of the corporation, the head of the family, whether it's a a co-piloting situation or an independent one, is the most important person in the family. It's not about the underlings. And I know our kids are very important to us, but I think it's time for them to realize, and we've brought this upon ourselves, that it's not all about them. We organize our daily lives around their schedules 
I have mentioned to you more than one, and I'm I'm not pointing fingers at everyone else. I've been guilty of this. I've mentioned to you that the thing that I dislike most about the time slot that we are in is the fact that my kids have to, God forbid, they have to go to some sort of after-school daycare. And on days when I can't pick them up, or my mother-in-law, Lori, who's amazing at making time to pick them up, they have to stay at school for an extra couple of hours, two or three times a week. They hate it. And so, therefore, I've come to hate it because I know they dislike it that much. Not because the program is is lousy or the facility is not any good and those that executing the program are not good to them. Mm. It's just the idea that it's two hours, maybe four hours, six at the most every week, where they're not maximizing either their time at home, their ability to do homework, uh, be involved in sports, etc. So you take that out of it. And we're already in the spring and in the summertime, we organize just about everything around sports and their organized activities. You leave social situations that you've brought the kids along with earlier. Well, my kids have to get to bed. I can remember when we were kids, man, we go somewhere with my mom and dad and we just sleep over at the people's houses. <laughs> you met one of those people not that long ago, the friends of our family. Yes. And I told you the story. Oh, yeah, I remember. The, the, they were great friends. I remember listening to the Jets play the, the Soviet national team on New Year's Eve in their bed because my folks were at a big New Year's Eve bash. It wasn't just New Year's Eve, man. It was four or five, six times a year they would sleep at our house or we would sleep at their house. <laughs> Things have changed in terms of our focus and what we build our priorities around. I th- always thought it was a good thing. This has given me pause for thought here. 204-780-6868. What do you think? The headline says, your kids should not be the most important in the family. Do you agree with this wisdom? 204-780-6868. I'll just read the last couple of lines of this article here. Quote, Our child is the most important reason in our family, end quote, is the first step toward raising a child who feels entitled. You don't want that unbeknownst to your child. He or she doesn't need that either, and neither do the rest of us. Interesting. Very interesting. 204-780-6868. Your feedback on this, and you know what happens. We get discussing a topic, and then we'll get a call, and then the phone lines will explode. We have a guest scheduled at 1.30, so we cannot carry this topic into the next half hour. If we're going to do it, we have to do it now. 204-780-6868. And I have a news, news flash. It's not breaking news. The Viking, still open Two text messages almost immediately (laughs) about the Viking sitting here in Sandy Hook and listening. Yes, the Viking is still there. As a matter of fact, I drove by there this morning and the outdoor tent patio is being set up today. And also, you got a pat on the back for your pronunciation of Isla Digadagarin. (laughs) So good job. Well done. Isla Digadagarin. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I had another text as well. Yes, the Viking is still there. It is still opening and someone else said i can't believe that rcmp officer uh wouldn't let you take 
the breathalyzer. Here's the here it is verbatim. I can't believe RCMP wouldn't do you a solid and give you a breathalyzer. What message are they sending? They would rather you turn your life upside down instead of supporting someone trying to do the right thing. I think that might be something we could maybe have a conversation with. Uh, with the Mounties, because I think there are some legalities involved, some liability issues, and if you, if they allowed everybody to do that, it's almost like I wonder if it's almost like they're encouraging people to. Ah, it's okay if you drink a little bit. I don't know. That, that's a conversation for another time. Maybe we'll reach out to the Mounties and see if we can have a chat with them. Could be a great idea. Two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. In the meantime, on the subject of kids. Should they be the most important in the family, or should they not? 204-780-6868. Mike is on the line. Mike, you're up first after your forecast, which is up next. How nice was it to shut off the air conditioner last night and open all the windows? Oh, my gosh. I slept like a baby last night. Yeah, I slept a little bit better. My allergies are much better today, too. They're still a little hinky coming into this office because the AC is still on. But uh, and our, our, yeah, our building is... At least our newsroom is just kind of dusty and dirty, and it's full of fruit flies and stuff. Oh, we had a full cl- cleansing. I need a I need a holiday. Hey, uh, we got a text message here on our topic we're discussing right now. The headline: Your kids should not be the most important in the family. And uh, this text message says: As a single mom for the last sixteen years, my kids have always been a priority. Now that they are young adults, I feel like it's time to put myself first. It's definitely an adjustment for them. So even with older kids, it can be a rude awakening when mom or dad or mom and dad start adjusting their priorities. And this calmness says, hey, it maybe should have been that way from the beginning. Mike is at 204-780-6868. Mike, thank you for your patience. What do you think? Should kids be the most important people in the family? I think so. Uh, I mean, you, you make a choice to have children, and, and that's a, a lifelong commitment. Now, what that also means, or what you need to recognize, is I think you need to have an incredibly strong marriage. So absolutely, you need to do the things to make sure that your marriage survives. You need to do the things to show your children uh, a fantastic role model as a married couple. And, and so, indeed, if that requires a degree of balance between kids' activities and otherwise, I, I, I couldn't agree more. But, but once you've made the choice to have children... Um, they, they are your focus. And you should have had that conversation with your partner and you should have an understanding of what that means. Now, my wife and I were incredibly fortunate that we had tremendous support from both families, mm-hmm. both sets of parents, and that helped us achieve, and to me, this is the key word, the balance that you need. Because absolutely having children is the most rewarding, but the most difficult, the most financially challenging, time-challenging task you will ever undertake in your life. And to suggest otherwise, I think is, I'll I'll be frank, I'm not sure that you're up for that challenge. You know, Mike, uh, Jeff Courier mentioned something about making your parents understand uh, that spending a weekend, spending a night away from them when they're younger uh, isn't a big deal and doing that on a somewhat regular basis. And uh, we've had the same support that it sounds like you and your wife has had in terms of getting that freedom to go away for a night here and there, to go away for a long weekend here and there. And my kids, when when we leave the house, it's kind of like, yeah, bye mom, bye dad. There's no panic in any way, shape or form. In fact, I think they're just as happy to see us go. And I think that's healthy as well. You are so right, because in our case, we were fortunate with the first grandchild on both sides of the family. I mean, 
we had done our job having the grandchild. Once they would look after him when we were gone, they probably would have been happy if we didn't come back. So they were just <laughs> thrilled. And I, and I say that facetiously. Yeah. Um, my, my in-laws had a, had a farm, so they had the experience of, of spending time on a farm. My parents had retired and moved to, a, to Gimli, so they had the, the luxury of spending time at the cottage. They had a wonderful time. They were the most important people in our collective family's world. And, and I'll be frank, the old school part that I think is missing today is, is recognition that the family does include multiple generations. Mm-hmm. So when I heard this morning that the multiple generation house is the most prevalent or common house based on recent survey results, I'm not surprised. I don't want my parents living with me. <laughs> we, we have a, I, I have that on tape. I have my, my mom saying on tape that she's not going to come live with me. I, I tease, but, but um, she's always been a part of our family in terms of helping raise our children. And, and in some ways, the, the commitment we made to our children, I also think applies to parents. So I, I'm not a, a, a fan of that old school that you, the children aren't the most important people in your life. I recognize that you better work on your marriage all the time. And, and frankly, the best thing you can do as a parent in most cases is have a fantastic relationship with your spouse and be that role model for your children. That's probably the best thing you can do as a parent, in my opinion. So I don't debate the value of, of working on that. But my children, I made a choice. All right, Mike, thanks for the call. Hey, thank you very much for the feedback. We appreciate it. Great call, Mike. Uh, You you give us a shout any any time at all. From Mike, we go to Mike. Hello, Mike, at at 204-780-6868. What do you think of all this? I somewhat disagree. I think the children shouldn't be the most important. Um, I love my kids. I'm a a single dad full-time to two teenagers, and I love them. I provide for them food, clothing, shelter, et cetera, but... I see a lot of my kids' friends who are what I'll call spoiled, and they're the center of the parents' attention, and I don't think they're being prepared for the real world. Uh, You need to love your kids. You need to give them some guidance. But if you spoil them, kids get a sense of entitlement, and all of a sudden you're 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, but you have no idea. You think you deserve everything. You deserve to have a cottage. You deserve to have a nice car. And you really don't. You have to earn that. And so I don't think the kids should be the most important. I, I think collectively the family is important. But when kids get spoiled and put on a pedestal, I don't think it sets them up well for uh, adulthood. All right, Mike. That, that's, that's, my that's a great take on it, Mike. Appreciate that. I'm going to read this text before we uh, break for news, if that's okay, Brett. Yep. We are all products of our own experiences. Children have the least amount of life experience, therefore should always be looking to knowledgeable elders for guidance. Parents are responsible to keep their children safe and nurtured, but should not look to them for anything and give them the false idea that the world revolves around them. 126. The news is up next. You're getting a compliment here on your uh, choice to walk home from the Viking once upon a time. Ah, uh, yes. Back to Winnipeg Beach. And your estimate, apparently, of three hours was pretty gosh darn good because Google Maps says Gimli do Salty's drive-in in Winnipeg Beach, two hours, 59 minutes. So you were doing pretty darn good, buddy. Yeah, I don't think, I think we, uh, we, we it was a little bit shorter of a walk than Salty's. Uh, we caught our, our, our trip ended prior to salties and at you know 4 30 in the morning or whatever it was we weren't exactly going at a good clip 
But uh, it was a, it was around three hours before we finally got back. So it was a long it was a long foolish walk. No, it was a good decision, as this texter also points out. Good on you for uh, doing the right thing. If you're just tuning in, it finally dawned on me about two minutes before we came on air that it's the long weekend approaching. Terry Fox Day on Monday. It also means that I'm going to try this again. Isla de Gadagarin up in Gimli, the Icelandic festival. All sorts of things going on, including more Canada games action. We're waiting to hear from uh, Jeff Natchek, the president and CEO of the Canada Summer Games. We wanted to talk about the venue switch yesterday uh, that was precipitated by an outstanding uh, response from fans wanting to see Manitoba play Ontario. So we'll see if uh, we can get Jeff on the line in a couple moments here. While we wait for Jeff... He's on the line. Yeah, we got him? Yeah. Boy, that was quick. We were having trouble there. So let's uh, bring him on. Jeff Natchuk, he is the president and CEO of the Canada Summer Games, uh, heading into this uh, main week, this first full week of competition. Jeff, you have to be happy with the way things are going, in particular with regard to baseball. Yesterday, Team Manitoba beats Ontario in 10 innings at Shaw Park, but... The game wasn't originally scheduled for Shaw Park, was it? No, it wasn't. Uh, it was uh, scheduled to be at uh, at Elmwood, but uh, just the way things uh, were going, we thought, boy, you know, the the popularity, obviously, of the way Team Manitoba was going, and and the importance of this particular game, we uh, we sort of put some wheels in motion very early to see if we could have that venue changed, and really, it was thanks to a lot of teamwork um, um, from both the, the facilities, the um, uh, the national baseball uh, organizations, the teams themselves, the Canada Games Council, um, yeah, a number of, uh, of partners that came forward and said, sure, that sounds like a, uh, a good approach. We were able to, to make that change very quickly as it, as it turned out. And and um, it was one that I think worked out well because I think we had uh, well in excess of 1,100 people out there for that game yesterday between Ontario and, and Manitoba, which ended up being a fantastic game too, going into extra innings. Manitoba advances to the semifinal tomorrow versus Alberta. Will that be at Shaw Park, Jeff? It will be at Shaw Park. Uh, it was, and it's scheduled that the semi is scheduled to be at uh, at Shaw Park. Uh, and that game will be at four o'clock at at Shaw Park. So um, yeah, the, the the baseball venue, amongst all our venues, actually are are really exciting places for people to get out and see some fantastic athletes, some fantastic performances for sure. Jeff, what's the uh, age range, by the way, for those who like, let's say, uh, just want to go watch a baseball game? What is the age range for these athletes playing them in these games? Well, it depends. Uh, it depends on the particular sport, uh, but the overall age range is. Basically, 12, 13 to uh, some of the athletes are uh, in their early 20s, 21, 22. Uh, baseball is uh, is under 17, uh, as an example. So it really depends on where the particular sport identifies in their long-term athlete development model, um, where the games fit in the uh, in the higher performance area in that development model. So, Jeff, how has attendance been? I'm hearing different reports from from different people about uh, big crowds at beach volleyball on different days of uh, the event so far. Also, uh, women's soccer and other events that that are captivating the imagination of uh, folks in our market and and clearly those that have traveled uh, to see athletes from other provinces. 
yeah, we're extremely pleased with where the um, the, the spectators and, and our ticket sales have been. Um, it's uh, you go out to the to the venues and you know, you, na- you named a number of them that the attendance is great, but even out at triathlon, out at Birds Hill, uh, I, I think we're finding that athletes, uh, these athletes are pre- performing in front of crowds that, um, in a lot of cases, maybe they're not they're not used to. I mean, we'll go back to Shaw Park for for a moment. And, you know, we've uh, Manitoba has played in front of um, I think against PEI um, two nights ago at Shaw Park. They had close to two thousand people out there watching. So it's it's been it's been fantastic and. Uh, I, I think it, it's another example. Sure, we've got a lot of visitors who are here for these games, but it's another example of how Winnipegers and, and Manitobans really just embrace events like this when they do come to our city and our province. The the switch from Elmwood to Shaw Park, was this a contingency plan that had already been worked out, or was it something where you just kind of had to realize, I think we need to do something right now? Yeah, no, it's very difficult to change a, uh, the sports schedule. There's so many complexities when you make a, a change in, in a schedule. So um, that and that one yesterday ended up being a uh, very much a last-minute switch. And as I said, with the cooperation of many parties, uh, it uh, it came uh, came to be a reality. And when we look at the complexities, we're transporting this week alone of 2,000 athletes that are going to um, but I guess this week we've got about eight different sport venues that they're going out to. So the the uh, busing schedule is very complex. So anytime you make any kind of a change, um, those all those things need to uh, to be factored in. So uh, we were very fortunate that we could turn that one around very quickly. Well, it's a hap- it's nice to hear you happy about how things are going so far, Jeff. And I- I'd been saying in the lead up to the games that we need to consider what we might be missing if we don't participate in this. And I think that's coming to fruition. The idea is that you don't want to miss out on this once in a lifetime opportunity to see these athletes, many of which will be cheering on in uh, future Summer Olympic Games. You'll be able to say, I remember when I saw X athlete at X uh, venue back in Winnipeg in 20. 20- 17. How about the festival down at the Forks? Took a couple nights off the uh, extra entertainment venue that's being offered there. And how are we embracing that? And what's uh, happening over the next couple days down at the Forks? Oh, it's been uh, it's been tremendous. Uh, the first two nights, so Ontario night was the first night. We had Serena Ryder headlined uh, that night. And we had uh, close to 10,000 people at the Forks uh, that night. The second night, Sunday night, a little quieter, but not much. We had uh, in excess of 6,000 people down there for the second night. And we anticipate the, the momentum is, uh, is really going to pick up as we, uh, as we move towards this, this long weekend where we've got some tremendous acts coming in this coming weekend. Uh, Saturday night, Loverboy, Sunday, Sheepdogs. And Monday, we reunite the crash test dummies uh, out, at the, uh, out at the Fork site. And they're going to be playing with the symphony orchestra. So some really neat opportunities for people to get out to a free festival site. But in addition to the, to the great artists that we've got performing there later on, sort of in the, in the evenings, there's all kinds of family uh, activities and, and fun events for people to, to take in down at the Fork site. So it's, uh, it's proven to be extremely popular. Uh, so far, and we really encourage people and families to get out and enjoy that experience also. Hey, Jeff, can we make a commitment to uh, keep in touch with one another over the next couple of weeks here as uh, we make our way through these games? And uh, it's great to get your perspective on this and uh, all the insight that you bring as president and CEO. 
Yeah, let's definitely do that. I'd be very happy to do that. And we really appreciate your support, too. Thanks, Jeff. Jeff Natchuk, President and CEO of the Canada Summer Games happening right now here in Winnipeg. Get out and support the athletes. And if you don't want to do that, at least get down to the Forks and enjoy some of the entertainment. Saturday night, I'm going to be dragging the kids down there. They don't know it yet, but we are going to see Loverboy Saturday night. Good for you. And uh, he said Sunday, was it, the crash test dummies? I think it was Monday. Monday? Sunday is the sheepdogs. That must be Saskatchewan night. And then uh, Monday, crash test dummies with the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra, which should be spectacular. That sounds neat. Uh, That's that's really cool. I like the crash test dummies. I recently started listening to their music again. So uh, if I... I wonder if I can get down there. I'll have to ponder that. Hmm. We're going to have a look at your forecast, and then do you want to go back to the uh, the kids' topic? We Actually, when we text. come back, uh, changes in the Canadian Football League. Just announced oh, yes. in the last couple of hours, we will hear from the new commissioner of the Canadian Football League, uh, Randy Ambrosi, and we will speak with Mitch Rossett, who is with Global Sports. We'll find out what all these changes are about and what prompted them when we return. We've come off the first principles of why we were using replay. You know, which is really to have the opportunity to fix egregious, indisputably wrong calls, you know, that could have an impact or an outcome on the game. So, you know, it really wasn't about what the officials thought. It was just much more about what it was doing to the flow of the game and to the fan experience. That is CFL VP and former head referee Glenn Johnson on the change that was announced today in the Canadian Football League, the change to the rules surrounding video replay review. Mitch Rossett joins myself. He's Brett McGarry uh, this afternoon to talk about this change. And Mitch, uh, what change has the CFL made with regard to video review? Well, it's just the latest in what's been almost like a yearly ritual for the CFL is to change the review thing. Of course, the last change was August 26, 2006, the new change, while teams are now allowed only one coach's challenge per game. This is, of course, down from three teams. We had the chance to do three reviews per game before. Um, the third one, of course, coming in if one of the first two were successful. So we've gone from three to one. And this is mainly to kind of hopefully speed up the game. The CFL has heard a lot of frustration from fans the last couple weeks, the last couple months, that all these coaches' challenges are just completely slowing the game down. And that's making for long games and kind of pulling away from the excitement of a game. And it, it really is. Like the last couple games, it almost seems some of these coaches are, are fishing for penalties. I didn't like the play. I didn't like that the team caught this in my 10, 15 yard line. Let's go fish for a penalty, maybe contact behind the play or some sort of rough in the passer. So it did. It did completely slow down the game. And especially with the coaches having a couple extra challenges in their back pocket. Well, then they're allowed to do this. They weren't scared to throw the challenge call every once in a while. So that's the big change uh, starting immediately. Really tomorrow night, Calgary versus Toronto is when it comes into effect going from Three challenges to one challenge per game. Now, if you didn't like it as a player, the ability to challenge all these plays, and you didn't like it as a general manager, depending on what side of it you are, you probably didn't like it as a coach either. But it was Randy Ambrosi, who is the new commissioner just a couple weeks in here, who gives credit to the fans for really demanding this. And I have to give credit to Ambrosi and the CFL for making this change. Here is the commissioner. Well, I've had the good fortune for now to have been in eight of the uh, the nine uh, CFL cities, and I have taken the 
I've had the great joy of spending time walking through the stadiums and spending time in the, you know, in the stands and just meeting and talking to people. This seemed to be the item that they most often wanted to talk about. A Saskatchewan Rough Rider fan, I suppose, this past weekend threatened to have me replaced by Gaynor the Gopher as commissioner if I didn't fix this problem. And, you know, clearly no one wants to be replaced uh, by Gaynor the Gopher, so I suppose you got to give the fans a fair bit of credit here. Good customer service on the part of the CFL to do this, Brett? If the fans want it, then yeah, absolutely. I, I find it odd, though, because I always thought people wanted... They've always sort of called for video replay in more sports. Here we have it, and now it's too much. So I don't know. I don't pay. I don't watch enough CFL to to really offer an opinion on this one. No, I, I think your opinion, believe it or not, is bang on. Mitch, would you have imagined uh, nine years ago when this came in, when they started reviewing uh, scoring plays automatically, that we'd be in a day and age where some fans are saying, you know what, maybe we should get rid of video review altogether. And I think it's just the change of the culture. Maybe this would work 10 years ago, but now that leagues are trying to attract younger generations who want kind of quick, fast games because they only have a couple hours to sit down and enjoy these games. Um, then yeah, I could, I saw it kind of coming, especially you're hearing from fans. The, the commissioner's hearing from fans. We're hearing it from friends when we go to the games that, geez, these are taking for a long time. And they like the chance to, especially if it's in their favor to review a play, um, especially with some suspicious officiating at times. But uh, I think this is a big win for the CFL, a, a good change for the CFL, because to track younger audiences and to get them engaged, we have to make a quick, punchy product. Mitch, you mentioned that this is an annual thing. Why do they go through this every year in the CFL to sort of sit back and call upon the review every year? I think it's something that they're still learning about. Uh, well, not just the CFL, but the NFL, the NHL, and all that stuff. We see changes in all these leagues almost yearly for instant replay because there's new technology coming out and there's uh, different things. You could see now uh, on benches, coaches having iPads, so they see it right away. Okay, this is wrong. I'm going to challenge the play. Before, it was kind of what they saw with their two eyes, maybe 30, 40 yards down the line. Like, eh, maybe not. So I think... Uh, it changes a lot as new technology comes in and people want uh, a bit better of a game. But at the same time, you can harm yourself doing that, as mentioned, by slowing down the game, giving these people more opportunities to fish for a penalty or, or try and, eh, I didn't like this, let's see if we can reverse the call in my favor. So uh, it's been almost a decade that the CFL has reviewed automatically every single scoring play. You kind of referenced the National Hockey League without mentioning it by name there, Mitch, and this whole idea of when is a goal a goal and when can the fans celebrate? It's kind of uh, tempering the ability for NHL fans to celebrate. The CFL fans and NFL fans have sort of gotten used to the idea that we may have to hear a confirmation or wait till that point after the convert goes through the uprights to go, okay, so they're going to count it then? We've got used to that in the football scene. I think in, in hockey, it's pretty going to be fairly slippery slope here if they, on every goal, that there's uh, some way for a coach to challenge these things. And I think the NHL is looking to nip that in the bud pretty quick. Yeah, because then you're going to end up in the same boat as a CFL where, okay, there's a goal. Let's just stay in our seats because we know we can't mm -hmm. cheer for another two, three minutes until somebody in Toronto or somebody in another market watches a TV screen and says, good, it's good to go. Then you cheer. It's It really slows down the game. It takes away from that atmosphere because you like the excitement. You like kind of seeing the players react right away on the ice or on the field and enjoying that or sharing that enjoyment with them. So if this becomes a norm where it's like, okay, well, I can't celebrate yet. I still have a couple minutes. 
it takes away from that whole sporting atmosphere where it's fun, the enjoyment, and just getting behind your team and rallying with them when they when they do score. Mitch Russett, Global Sports, joining us this afternoon on Mackley McGarry. Mitch, thanks for the time, my friend. No worries, anytime. All right, and Greg, how much time is this adding to uh, an average game? You know, I don't have the figures in front of me, but typically... Yeah, like a ballpark. Yeah, you know what? It could be as much as a half an hour, some games. Wow. You know, uh, when they're scheduled on the television, three hours is what they block out for a football game, two and a half hours for a hockey game. And for those that PVR and record the games that go to the events and then want to watch them after, you daren't not record the next show after whatever event you're recording because chances are you're not getting that hockey game in in two hours 30 minutes and i almost guarantee there's no cfl game that's uh, going the three hours that's allotted on the time schedule so it can add a considerable amount of time and just like basketball you know how basketball that's, the the point, last, that's where i was going you know the last two minutes can take 12 minutes to play sometimes and the cfl that fourth quarter can take an awful lot of time when the when the chips are down when it's all on the line the coaches are looking for any advantage any opportunity to uh to save their save their hide if they're behind in a contest all right after global news at two o'clock we're going to visit with the winnipeg comedy showcase which is coming up later this week we have the host and one of the participants so they'll join us for a half hour and still to come at some point this afternoon likely after three o'clock we will be joined or we will be giving away Tickets. We will be joined by you as you try to win tickets I for Nickelback. Nickelback was coming in. <laughs> Nickelback tickets we have to give away at some point later this afternoon on Mackling and McGarry on 680 CJOB. Well, we're going to try and make you laugh for the next uh, half hour or so because McGarry and I don't really have a tremendous amount of uh, <laughs> success doing that otherwise. So we've uh, brought a couple gentlemen into the studio that are hopefully going to uh, give you a laugh and tell you about an event that's coming up that you may want to check out if you're into live comedy. Brett McGarry. The Winnipeg Comedy Showcase happening this Friday, August 4th at the Park Theatre. And we are joined in studio by the host of this event, Jared Story, and hey. one of the participants, Keener Doherty. Thank that's you so much. Me. <laughs> Did I say that right? Doherty? Yeah, yeah, you got it. Very good. Thanks for coming in today, guys. We appreciate Thank the you. access. So how many years have you been doing this now, uh, hosting this event, Jared? Uh, this is the third year. Uh, we've done, uh, this will be the 15th show coming up. Uh, on Friday, so uh, it's been a really successful show. One of, we didn't think anything was going to happen when we first started it, and um, I think the first show sold out two weeks in advance, and we're like, oh, we got something cool going on here. <laughs> we had no idea. I guess there's just an appetite for stand-up comedy, so... And now we're 15 in. Well, if you are following the up-and-coming stand-up comedians out there, Jen Kirkman is one of the top comedians on the planet right now. And it was only 24, 30 months ago that she sold out the Park Theatre not once but twice on the same night. That's right. But that's an outstanding venue. And, I mean, you've Mm -hmm. got well over, it's got to be close to 300 seats in there, right? Yeah, it's about 250. Uh, That's a good, comfortable amount of seats to put in there. Uh, I actually opened for Jen Kirkman when she was in town, and uh, yeah, uh, sweet lady, and yeah, so much, so funny. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, we were talking off air about how Brett and I really like to support things that are local, whether mm-hmm. it's beer, whether it's food, restaurants, <laughs> uh, other sorts of events. So it was a natural to bring you guys on here. Uh, talk about the, the scene, the stand-up comedy scene in our community, because it seems to be flourishing right now. 
Yeah, there's a there's a lot of different open mics uh, around town and a lot of different shows like this one. And uh, rumors is always cool too about giving um, you know aspiring comics uh, guest spots. And uh, yeah, like Keener's been doing this for like what ten years or more. Uh, it's around twelve now. So I've seen like pretty much everyone who's on this show start. Yeah. Yeah, and pretty much anyone who does open mic comedy now, I've, other than John. John Duff was there before me, but... Uh, yeah, he's the old man on the show. <laughs> yeah, but I remember Jared when he first started. Uh, we and used how to, bad I was? Well, we used to do the gong show all the time. <laughs> oh, and, God. Yeah, and you got gonged I was good at getting gonged. <laughs> Where did you do that? That well, was that, at the park, actually. Yeah, yeah, that was the... Yeah, quite a while ago, though. That but was back 10, when it was just a... It wasn't the, the world-class venue it is now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a lot different. And Jared... Yeah. Then took some time off, right? The gongs got to you? Oh, then- the gongs, yeah. I actually took like two or three years where I didn't do stand-up at all. I was like, you know, 18, 19 when I first started, so I didn't have anything to talk about. <laughs> like, you don't know anything at that age. Well, can so. you know, what got you into this? I mean, we have a platform here to share our views on things, to interact with people. Obviously, stand-up comedy is decidedly one-sided conversation, but the feedback, I imagine, from the audience can dictate which way you go with certain material. Just talk about how you started and that whole idea of, of putting yourself out there the way you do on a stage with a spotlight on and nothing but a, a stool, a bottle of water, and a microphone between you and whether it's 20 or 200 people. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty intimidating. I started because people always told me I was funny, and uh, so I thought I'd give it a try. And I think that's probably how you should start stand-up. Like, if you're thinking, <laughs> I'm so funny, people should be listening to me. And people are like, uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> Like, no, I'll prove you wrong. But, yeah, people just told me I was good at uh, making people laugh. So I started doing it. And, and yeah, it's like it, it amazes me now that people are afraid to talk in public because it seems like it's easy. Like uh, <laughs> yeah. you just go up there and I don't know. Everyone's like, well, but I think everyone's like judging me. Like, yeah, who cares? Judge them back. Like, yeah, we're way more impressed by like musicians and stuff who know how to play an instrument. We're just like we're just talking into a mic. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot of skill our dumb there. thoughts. Well, yeah, but uh it doesn't Tons seem of skill. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, in defense of the people who are afraid of public speaking, especially for what you guys do, sure. like if you're a musician, you're, you might be hiding behind a drum kit or a guitar or whatever. You guys just basically generally have a, a microphone, and yeah. you're, it's just you. You've got you're not even behind a podium. No, you know, there's I, nothing to hide behind. Yeah. I uh, I don't mind doing public speaking if there's a podium because I can. I feel like I'm I have a kind of a shield, but I still get kind of nervous if I'm doing any sort of public speaking. Yeah. Yeah. And I work here. Right. Yeah, totally. Uh, you know, I still get nervous too. And uh, and I I hated public speaking. Like in college and in high school, I was really bad at it. But uh, I always found it easier when I made a joke. I, like I can't, if I had to say something serious on stage, I'd be very, very frightened. But uh, I think that's just how we kind of get by in life, right? Just make fun of it. Yeah, because if you're, if you're just talking about something serious, you don't get any feedback because people aren't going, ooh, good point. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, they're just listening. You're like, was that good? I don't know. No one said anything. Yeah. Well, that's like this realm, right? It's really hard to do a show by yourself. Right. If you've just got the producer on the other side of the glass, like Jeff is doing right now, he's got other things to do. He can't be there to be your sounding board, right, no. necessarily. And so you have to trust that what you're saying is resonating with people, at least with Brett and I. Yeah. We can bounce things off one another. And if, if I let a... You know, bad comment, go, he'll give me the look, and vice versa. <laughs> Whereas with stand-up, 
that spotlight is bright and yeah. yeah, the laughter is really the only measuring stick out there. You mentioned how easy it is to just kind of, you know, quote unquote, how people perceive it, but it's not easy to be opinionated right now no. and to put it out there. I, I don't know if we have been in times that are more judgmental than they are right now mm-hmm. about your stand on just about anything. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter which way you take it. Um, yeah, I think for some reason, stand up. Uh, gets a little bit of a pass uh, on that front. Um, yeah, I think it might be the last place where you can actually say what you're thinking. Um, not that sometimes stuff get you know gets captured on a cell phone and then gets taken out of context, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but for at, the most part, yeah. At the local scene, though, like uh, one one of the things new comics tend to do is just be dirty and shocking right off the bat, right? Because it's easier to get like a reaction from that, and so you get a lot of people saying stuff like, "If they were in a like a more public forum, would be like, yikes, why are you saying that?" <laughs> yeah. But um, do you have to earn that a little bit, Keener? That, do you have to earn that respect from the audience to? Take it to that next step, as opposed to just kind of laying it all out right off the bat. Yeah, for sure. You got you got to um, like build like you can't just start with saying something like that unless your joke is very well written, mm-hmm. and, or you got to like get them on your side and like maybe toss it in in the middle or something. So once the audience likes you, you can get away with a little bit more. But beyond that, like I don't even like talking about subjects that. <laughs> Keter's one of the, like Carol, Keter's a fairly clean comic. He's like uh, he makes fun of the the little things in life, you know, kind of a Jerry Seinfeld esque. Yeah, I'm exactly like Jerry Seinfeld. He's like, a- <laughs> <laughs> what sort of exotic car did you drive here today? Oh, uh, three exotic cars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had coffee too. Yeah, yeah, it was great. <laughs> what do you do, uh, Keener, when you make a joke that falls flat? Like, especially when you're first starting, how do you handle that? Uh, you get very sad and you wonder if I, why you're doing this and, uh, but then you go to another audience and try it. Maybe it got a bit better, but it's just, it, it's like comedy's that instant feedback. So, mm-hmm. you know, right away, like this was not a good joke. This has to change. Like, even if you believe in what you're saying, you got to find a better way to, to present it to people. So uh, a failure at, like at a comedy is just uh, another lesson in life. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Today would have been Robin Williams' 66th birthday. Oh, wow. And, of course, he had a lot of influence on up-and-coming comics of today. Who were your influences, uh, Keener and then uh, Jared? Uh, like, I like a lot of like, Paula Tompkins and, um, well, Louis C.K., obviously. That guy can write a joke like crazy. And mm-hmm. In the old days, uh, I grew up like watching old stuff, too, like Red Skelton. Really? <laughs> yeah, like uh, that kind of stuff. And uh, and uh, what's that guy who played golf all the time? Bob, Bob Hope. Bob Hope. Yeah, him and Jimmy Carson, and, and David Letterman. I love those guys. They're all yeah. they're all super good guys. Sure. Uh, I hate to say it because I get the comparison all the time, but it's I really do like them. Uh, Norm Macdonald has always been my favorite, and because uh, you're kind of deadpan, right? Yeah, a little bit, and. Uh, he always like even as a kid watching him on SNL, I really liked him because like I I I liked that he was really funny, but he couldn't act. And I was like, I don't have any talent either. <laughs> like I could maybe I could be that guy. <laughs> All right, well it's a Winnipeg Comedy Showcase happening this Friday, August fourth, Park Theater. Doors open at eight. Show starts at nine. Tickets are ten bucks, and uh, we'll tell you more about it. Winnipeg Comedy Showcase with our guests, the host of this event, Jared Story, and one of the comedians, Keener Doherty. On Mackling and McGarry, your forecast is up next.
We're talking comedy. Keener Doherty and Jared Story are in the studio talking about the Winnipeg Comedy Showcase coming up at the Park Theatre this weekend. How do you get tickets, Jared? Uh, tickets are available at the Park Theatre, Music Trader, and Ticketfly.com. Or you can uh, hit up one of the comedians on the bill if you know us, or even if you don't know us, just yell at us on the street or something. Well, you could also go to Keener Jerseys, Oh yeah, store down on Portage, 982 Portage. <laughs> nice. I can get them from there. Nice plug, Keener. Not only is he a good comedian, he's good at business, too. And uh, Keener Jerseys is a great place to go if you if you need uh, team jerseys or uh, you have a jersey you want to get personalized. They do outstanding work there. Uh, Keener knows how to work a sewing machine like nobody's business. Oh, yeah. Uh, you have a great bit about being in Montreal. I went to Montreal in February, and I I didn't think about this until I saw your bit <laughs> on how you're uh, absolutely horrified to be a victim of one of those uh, just for laugh pranks. <laughs> yeah, it's it, like the time I was there, I, I was looking for those people because um, I imagine they're out there all the time, like messing with people. And some of the things they do, I just don't like it's a lot of porta potty stuff going on. And, <laughs> Code one in Montreal, no way. <laughs> Don't trust anybody. What were you saying? Uh, you're particularly suspicious of of people who uh, are are sight impaired, are blind, or in wheelchairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They asked me for help, and I'm just like, no way, man. You're trying to make me look like an idiot. Don't you say something about punching a cop or something like that? Because no. sometimes they're dressed up as cops. They the are. Show. There's no question. Which seems illegal. I don't know how they get away with it. My kids don't understand why there's no uh, voices on that thing. Why it's just kind of the laugh track. Oh but, yeah, I bought the soundtrack. It's a it's a it's, <laughs> it's a fascinating program that can be on TV at this day and age, and there's nobody talking. It's just yeah. music and sound effects. Right. It's true. <laughs> it's like Mr. Bean. It's yeah. really quite odd. So, uh, Jared, this is the, the 15th show in the series of the, the Comedy mm-hmm. Showcase. Um, so you guys obviously have a lot of experience, but if there's somebody who is actually just starting to think about becoming a comedian, mm-hmm. they want to test their mettle, where would they go to start that? Well, they should uh, hit up open mics. There's a lot of comedy open mics in the city. Uh, tonight at uh, Wednesdays is We Johnny's, which is underneath Johnny G's in the Exchange District. Yep. Uh, Thursdays is usually the handsome daughter, although they're having a break for the summer. Um, Sundays at the cavern and, um, that's on Osborne. That's on Osborne and underneath the toad in the hole. Oh, is music trader on Osborne too? I'm trying to picture that. that is, in my head. Yes. Okay. That's right. the street. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, uh, once a month we do a show called Monday night Mike that I host at, uh, the park theater, except it's in the, uh, the lounge area. It's a bit smaller of a show. And, uh, yeah, those are great places to, to start. Anybody can try it, you know? Yeah, it's best to come out and watch first, so you get get a feeling for what's. Because a lot of people go up, they and they just go right up, and uh, they don't have they, any jokes. Yeah, they blow their light, they go <laughs> on too long, and uh, then afterwards they get a tongue lash in from uh, whoever was hosting. Like you got to watch the light. So what yeah. does that mean? You got to watch the light. Like when you're like usually an open mic, you'll get like four or five minutes, and then uh, so you you get a light to tell you that uh, your time is coming to an end. You got like thirty seconds to wrap it up, and you have to acknowledge the light and then get off stage. And yeah, just be respectful to the venue because the other performers have like uh, their set time. The mm-hmm. whole show has a set time, and if you're yammering on about nothing and ruining it for everyone and People are going to meet you in the back lane. Well, you're bringing down the room, right? Yeah. And then if you're not doing well, five minutes sounds like a long time, but it could be a real long time if you are bombing. Yes. 
Yeah, it's an eternity. Jerry, why why did you answer that so quickly? (laughs) Well, uh, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, and usually it's going really well, but no no comic is immune to a bomb. There's still, you know, there are professional, famous comics that bomb sometimes, especially when they're trying something new. Um, You know, you you don't see that on TV, obviously, because they're doing their tried and true stuff but when when you're trying to build up a new set you know guys like louis ck they have to go to the comedy cellar for a few months in new york and you know do 15 minutes at a time and uh sometimes not do well yeah well well, i think i've actually seen a couple of louis ck programs or specials where he has i think he actually has tried jokes out and it kind of went over and but he i think they leave it in the finished product because he calls out the audience and he says oh you laugh at this this and this but this is where you draw the line yeah so it ends up still being funny Mm -hmm. um do you is that also a skill where you can kind of fall on your face but then dust yourself up very quickly to continue your set yeah, it's usually calling, uh, like, attention to it, not just leaving it, like, make fun of how bad it was or something like that. That usually gets everyone back on your side because you've created this tension and now you got to break it somehow. So going like, well, that was awful. I'm sorry I did that to you people. <laughs> yeah, part of being a comic is, like, getting really good at being bad sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Because you're going to have jokes that don't work and you have to, if you're a good comic, you can just you can just swing off them really easy. We spoke to Chantelle Desjardins uh, a couple of weeks ago, and she was working out some material. She's originally from Montreal, or Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. She lives in Montreal. Now she's in New York and working on some material, doing a show, and Jim Gaffigan shows up, and he's working on new material. So uh, is that what it takes to get discovered, is to maybe have something serendipitous like that happen where, you know, a Gaffigan mm-hmm. or somebody shows up when you're when you're just working? Uh, mm-hmm. Where do you see this going next for you, Keener? And then we'll, we'll ask Jared the same question. Yeah, I just um, just keep plugging along, um, go and do shows. I, I like uh, the stand-ups are all my buddies, too. So, like, I got to go out, do open <laughs> mics uh, in, in order to hang out with them. So, um <laughs> Yeah, just doing that. Uh, we just came off the roast battle at Rumors, so like uh, different opportunities to try different comedy things keep coming up, and uh, yeah, that's, I'm just trying to yeah run a jersey shop and be funny. So, Jed, what about you? Where do you want to take your comedy career? Well, I don't have a, a backup plan. Like Keener's got his jersey shop, so uh, I don't know if I don't make it, I I'm going to ask Keener for a job. <laughs> Yeah, we're not hiring right now. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, Keener, once again, plug your uh, your jersey business. Where is that? Yeah, just 982 Portage. Um, we do uh, numbers for uh, whatever team. Like, we got a lot of... Uh, we just did uh, one of the comics baseball teams, the Alcoholics. They were... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I love the, the wordplay on that. It's amusing. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It has a little picture of Daryl Strawberry crying as a Simpson. So uh, it's a, it was a great jersey. Outstanding. Yeah, so we do lots of... We play rec baseball at Bueller, and we're slowly doing every team's jersey. And like we have the nicest Expos, old Expos-style jerseys with our logo, Keener jerseys on it. And uh, they're by far the nicest jerseys in the league, and we are by far the worst team in the league. <laughs> It's uh, embarrassing. We lost 30 to 5 the other day. 
Oh, that's okay. Yeah, as long as you look yeah. good doing it, there's nothing <laughs> yeah, wrong with that, right? That's right. Right on. And uh, Jared, one more time, where's the showcase? How can uh, people get tickets and uh, and uh, support the cause and, and be out there and uh, laugh their uh, backsides off? <laughs> uh, the showcase is on Friday at the Park Theatre. Uh, show starts at 9, doors open at 8. It's like happy hour prices between 8 and 9, so get there early. Uh, tickets are $10 at ticketfly.com from the park or Music Trader, which is on Osborne, or you can get the tickets from the comedians on the bill, and they're $15 at the door, so you should just buy them in advance because that would be silly not to, right? Yeah, super silly. Well, well it's more money in, in the, the show's pocket, though, is it not? That's true, but, uh, you know, we like we like it sold up. I like to see people turned away. I kind of get a kick out of that. <laughs> <laughs> He's saddest. <laughs> Winnipeg Comedy Showcase, this Friday at the Park Theatre. Jared Story, Keener, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank Thanks, you. guys. The news is up next. 2.35, Wednesday afternoon as we head towards a long weekend. That's flipping fruit flies, man. They're everywhere. Yeah, we have a fruit fly problem here. <laughs> Got a few at our house, too. I mean, they're just—it's just that time, but it's awfully frustrating. We're we're looking for solutions. We we think we might have one. If you have any, Brett at cjb.com or gmac at cjb.com. Help us get rid of the fruit flies in the newsroom, and they're now finding their way into the studio at six eighty cjob. They're just it, following us around like pig pen. Maybe it's us. Yeah. Maybe once you go on holidays next week and then I go on holidays a week after, uh, by the time I get back, they'll be gone. But yeah. I think that'll just be coincidence because it'll just be, they'll have run their course. Yeah. I refuse to accept any responsibility, even if it is, in fact, I who am the pig pen. I don't think you're the pig pen. Um, Chewy is here today. Chewy. Bubba's dog. Bubba is our promotions director. Oh my gosh, he is so cute. It is a cute dog, it's not a, Bubba. It's no, not Bubba. It's amazing what a dog in the workplace will do to the morale, and just everybody's spirits get lifted. Uh, I know at the hospital at St. B and other hospitals as well, they have the dog program in particular, the palliative care unit, uh, end of life care. It's so cool because people can bring their animals to the hospital and, you know, in the, in the final days, weeks, months of, of one's lives. And it just, it just adds a different element of the caregiving process. Uh, let's give a shout out to our pets, man, who, uh, make us just change our demeanor instantly when we see them or when they see us. It, it's, uh, ah, they're such a gift, man. I, when you told me that the dog was here, so I immediately, you, you didn't even, you barely sat down. I said, Oh, by the way, Bubba's dog is here. You got up and you basically sprinted to his office. I don't know if I've seen you move that quick. I didn't sprint, but I was very <laughs> determined to get down there and meet this little dog because I do it. I enjoy it when dogs are in the, the building and, I, I, I'd never seen a dog like this. It was It's a Yorkie Shih slash Shih Tzu cross. Mm-hmm. And so I just went into the room and I sat down on the floor. And the dog just came and jumped up in my lap. It was very cute. I'm always, with. I mean, the little dogs are cute, but I'm always scared that I'm going to pet them too hard or that I'm going to, I don't know, because inadvertently destroyed them. Because <sighs> this dog couldn't weigh more than two pounds. I Maybe think, that's an exaggeration. I think five Bubba pounds. says, "Yeah, I think Bubba says he's about five pounds right now. He's four months old." Yeah. Oh my gosh, he's just so cute. Uh, anyway, it, they make it difficult to concentrate. I have to confess, those little eyes when they're looking at you and they can, 
tilt their head at you, and it's like, oh, man, come here. Let me just pet you for a little while longer. Oh, Daryl says, empty your recycle bin. Fruit flies are breeding in your Coke cans. There is, I will point, say that there is some uncleanliness sometimes in our newsroom with people leaving their coffee cups behind with stuff in them or food or whatever. So not pointing any fingers, but I, at, I, at the same time, I would have no problem pointing fingers if the push came to shove. If you're listening in the newsroom, Daryl says, get rid of the uh, empty pop cans, pop bottles. They are uh, creating a mess. Hey, uh, news today from Statistics Canada and the census that most of us, well, I think we all had to, by law, fill out. And uh, in dribs, excuse me, in dribs and drabs, information is coming out uh, about some of the different information they were able to extrapolate from the census. And for the first time, single person households outnumber traditional Households. Wow. It's the first time ever in our history as a country. And I think it's kind of fascinating. You are someone who fits into that demographic. I fit into the other. And is this a trend amongst your friends uh, that people are uh, habitating by themselves? Um, I don't know that. It's hard to call it a trend, but I will say at least in my the people that I know and not any particular circle, just if I, th- as I sort of think of all the people I know that there are some whose relationships have ended and now they live on their own. So I suppose you could call that a trend. So as I'm just kind of spitballing here, maybe it is, I don't know. I, I, I think it, 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 we've sort of reached this, this point where we, if the relationship is not working, um, your people are are less reluctant to stick around. I think there are a lot of people who are conscientiously not going into relationships. They're kind of staying single. And back in the day, I was talking to Courier about this. It's like if you were a guy back in the nineteen eighties, nineteen nineties, and you weren't hooked up, you didn't have a significant other. Uh, your sexuality was questioned. Yeah. Uh, if you were a woman. That was maybe one question, and you got called a spinster. <laughs> and to be called a bachelor, th- there was a negative connotation towards that if you were a bachelor, right? It meant you were f- out philandering, and and you were flaky, and you couldn't settle down. And now I think there are a, a certain segment of the population is just like, hey, you know what? I'm kind of cool with who I am. I might have some relationships along the way, but I'm quite comfortable on this path of living on my own, and it's not a priority for me to get married. It's not a priority for me to have a family. And I think that's something that people are very comfortable being open and honest about, whereas maybe a decade or two ago, you kind of had to hide that. Yeah, I that's sort of where I'm at now. I, I almost, I was engaged and that fell apart. And since then, I haven't really been in a rush once, it, once I sort of uh, got over the the initial pain and, and sort of shame and all of that. I've kind of leveled out and sort of realized, you know what? I like being able to go do whatever I want, whenever I want, with whomever I want, and not have to worry about commitments and responsibilities or anything like that. And I can stand myself enough too. And I think that's part of the problem. A lot of people, and I, I think there are a lot of people who are serial monogamists, who they... And a, a relationship ends and they, they have to find something else immediately because that's how they define themselves. And I don't 
want to say that that's wrong. I think that's just how that sort of goes back to what you were saying that uh, if you maybe there are people some people are just trained to think well I if I am not in a relationship and moving towards something then I'm a failure or I'm incomplete. Yeah, I'm, uh, the textbook says you grow up, you get married, and you have two to three kids. Otherwise, you're a weirdo. That's, I think, the mentality a lot of people have, and it's just in the last few years where I think maybe people are getting a bit more comfortable saying, you know what, I'm I'm okay by myself. I can remember I did not live alone for very long. I think I, the longest I ever lived by myself was about, probably about 18 months. It was under two years. And I met this woman in Calgary who was, she was attractive. I found her attractive. She found me attractive. We had some things that uh, we liked about one another. And the first time we went for lunch, she looked me straight in the eye. She says, you've been married? Nope. How old are you? I told her. She looked at me. She goes, so what's wrong with you? (laughs) And that was the perception, right? Because I was 30 something and I hadn't been married yet. What's wrong with you? She says, nothing really. I just. I haven't find it, found anyone who's worthy of being in my company for Ooh. an extended period of time. She liked that, but uh, things didn't really go anywhere in that relationship or that potential relationship. But it was the whole connotation was that there must be something wrong with me. She was the one that ha- came from a, a divorce and had two kids. And there was something wrong with me. Yep. I was the problem. I was the potential outlier in the situation. And, and I didn't really necessarily appreciate that tone of voice or that suggestion. Yeah, that's interesting. Although in, in her case, the divorce could mean that she was simply with a deadbeat and came to her senses and realized, you know what? I don't need you anymore. Yeah, you were right. Get that's out. exactly what it was. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she wanted to go out and find herself uh, GMAC. A uh, quality individual. Uh, hey, uh, how about this now? So I'm trying to, tie, I'm trying to do the segue here okay. from the living on your own. And so that raises certain alarm bells, as I just pointed out from personal experience, to the other one where you're living with your parents and what sort of alarm bells does that set off? It seems as though we're less concerned as a society and as a, a group of young people about that because the number of people who are living at home has never been higher. Sorry, you know what? I, I, I hate Did you to, get distracted? I, somebody sent a picture of a dog. <laughs> they texted us a picture of a dog. Is it a cute dog? It's a lovely dog. Who sent it? I'm trying to... Is it Dave? Dave's, and I'm... I'm recently widowed. My wife had a stroke and just passed. A beautiful girl. Oh. Here's her pick. So are you saying that your dog just died? Ah, oh, Dave, I'm sorry to hear that. No, no, his wife just passed away. Well, I'm wondering if he's refer- saying that, if that he's joking and saying his he lived with so. his dog. I don't think so. I don't, well, anyway. Regardless, it's a lovely dog. Thank you for the picture. I'm sorry that I allowed it to distract me, though, Greg. <laughs> no problem. And, and you know what? I'm reading it again, and you might be right. Either way, gorgeous dog, uh, Dave. Thanks for sharing that picture. Uh, yeah, I was just extrapolating and, and sharing the fact that nearly two-thirds of people aged 22 to 24 in Canada live with a parent. And do you think it's more men, boys, uh, women or girls that, that live at home? I would guess men. Yeah, it's uh, four women for every uh, five young men that live at home at the age of 20 to 24. Yeah, women in general, I think, are more independent. 
uh, at, at least at the younger age, and uh, certainly more mature uh, guys a lot. And and women, I think, also tend to, to mobilize a little bit better in terms of, like, just let's use traveling as an example. A lot of women will, like, plan these big trips with all of their, their girlfriends, as at, and they'll go to Vegas or they'll go to Europe or whatever. I know tons of women who have been on lots of trips with their friends that they've done over the years when they were young, whereas the guys often, and I'm not, I'm not generalizing, I'm just saying guys often will, ah, let's just waste all our money at the bar, and then they'll maybe turn 30 before they finally go on a vacation. So I think that that sort of, I'm just circling back to, it doesn't surprise me that it's the guys who are living at home more than the gals, because I think the women just sort of are a step ahead of guys in that sense. Am I wrong? No, I'm distracted now. Kim Senku sent me a picture of Hunter. <laughs> Her little dog. She knows I'm in love with him. <laughs> of, hun- of Hunter. Hunter, one of our sales uh, folks here at uh, 680 CJOB at Chorus Radio, Winnipeg. Oh, uh, you- Kim Senku and her dog is so cute. He you looks. He love looks, the little dog. I do. I've got a little Shih Tzu named Abby, right? Who's my little buddy? Who's just in love with me? I'm in love with her, and so yeah, I never ever imagined I'd have little dogs. Could this conversation be any? more fragmented i think not uh so i so if you have a no i was gonna try and tie this if you have a dog you live at home live by yourself two-thirds of people age 20 and 24 live with a parent for every four younger women five younger men live at home is it more acceptable on the dating scene for a younger woman to be living at home than it is for a younger man oh like how is that perceived right you know, I, I'm trying to remember back in the day when uh, I met, uh, you know, if I was um, courting a young woman, uh, a young woman, uh, and she lived at home, that really didn't seem odd. No. But if I, when I was living at home and I went home just for short spurts in my early 20s, like three or four months at a time, yeah, and uh, they found out I lived at home, it was kind of like, ooh. Yeah, I could see that because they, they there's probably if you're still at home, then maybe that immediately turns off the uh, is this a provider type mm-hmm. of personality? I don't know, or the, maybe that this there this maybe maybe the message that it inadvertently sends is this guy isn't quote isn't quite ready for prime time yet. I don't know. They were probably right. <laughs> In my case, and maybe for most of us, right? Yeah, for sure. It's that whole idea. But I think you're right. I think we give, I think we give women the benefit of the doubt on that stuff. Yeah, which is probably it, they're probably further ahead. I don't know. It's I'm, part of a master plan, perhaps. Right? <laughs> oh, I'm going to buy a house. How about you? Anyway, oh, buying a house. That's 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 a good idea. I hadn't even really thought about that. Yeah. You know, I was just trying to save more money so I can go partying more on the weekend. <laughs> That's why I'm at home. <laughs> That's exactly where it was for me. 204-780-6868. Where was it for you, I guess, is possibly the question to ask. 204-780-6868 is the number to call. You can also send us a text to, to anything that we just discussed in that fragmented conversation. More uh, dogs. Yeah, we're getting lots of pictures of dogs. So if you want to just send us pictures of dogs. Oh, we got one text here. Yes, get on with it. Good Lord. That's a comment, I assume, to the fragmented Yeah, yeah, that's a grumpy texter. He's always grumpy. <laughs> 204-780-6868. Your forecast is up next.
I don't know if we started with fruit flies, but we talked about fruit flies. Uh, animals, our dogs, our pets in the workplace. We're being inundated with text messages right now of dogs and cats. Mostly dogs. I think it's about 11 to 1 dogs versus cats. So we appreciate seeing you uh, out and about with your pets. Uh, both Brett and I are big softies uh, for both <laughs> dogs and cats. Sorry, I'm just seeing the cat picture from Eve. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Love it. Appreciate it. And then we were talking about uh, our attractiveness as individuals, uh, whether or not living at home, if you're a guy, is that a bigger strike against you if uh, than it is if you're a girl? And then the idea that there are more, now more single-person households in Canada than there are, quote-unquote, traditional families. I think that's everything. Oh, and the uh, fruit flies. And we got all sorts of advice on the fruit flies. Here's the heartbreaking one. Fruit fry, fruit flies love the limes and Corona beer bottles, too, if you don't clean them out. We're not drinking Corona at the radio station, but I'll keep that in mind uh, at the house. And to combine at least two... Of the three or four topics that we were discussing the last 20 minutes or so, Brett, okay. I have an email from our friend Kristen. She says, Ooh. Hello, I'm currently hiding from my brother's spawn in the cabin. Kids are important. Oh, yes, she tied this back to kids being the most important members of the family. Kids are important, but definitely not the most important. In nature, kangaroos will eject their joeys in dangerous situations, thus allowing the predator to eat the baby. This enables the mum to get away and make another baby. It's all about the best rate of reproductive success. Have a nice day. Wow, that's horrible. <laughs> Is that awful? That's terrible. <laughs> uh, I always knew kangaroos were a little off. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting survival technique to be sure yeah that's i the nature that terrible nature is cruel it is um hey it's the 40th anniversary of toad hall toys coming up i know my boys got uh some toad hall toy gift certificates for their birthday with me which means i get to go there I love going there yeah it's uh that's coming up august 19th i'm just seeing this release and in our uh, emails now that uh, this is happening on the 19th, so that's pretty cool. Toad Hall Toys is, uh, honestly, it's a place I think I've made, been to maybe five times in my life. Oh. I don't know why I don't make more excuses Winnipeg to go down. treasure, man. Can I read Heather's uh, text message on kids yep. and where they fit in the family? And then yep. we, can, we can put a bow on this half hour. So agree with the article you guys read. We learned early the hierarchy, quote unquote, as you put it. We also knew how important we were to our parents and family, and that we were loved and protected without being spoiled and entitled. So tired of seeing entitled brats out there who will never have the opportunity to become caring, sharing adults because of their parents. And I think it was one of the mics that pointed out how important it is to be a role model for your kids. I think that's the most important thing is to model healthy relationships for our children and what that looks like. And if you are putting your kids at the center of the household, and that is the central relationship is between parents and their kids with the kids at the top of the triangle. That's not the way you want your kids to raise their kids, so maybe turn it around. Coming up to 3 o'clock on 680 CJOB. 308, Wednesday afternoon. Uh, Brett and Greg with you. I like to travel. Well, I always used to say, I love traveling, but I hate being away. 
Yep. Ever since I had kids, I just hated being away from the kids, but I love to go new places, love traveling. I don't even mind airports and airplanes, uh, but there's nothing worse. Uh, you can cancel my flight. You can delay my flight. You can lose my luggage, but do not leave me in a plane sitting on the tarmac for any amount of time. I don't think there's any worse adventure, quote-unquote, in traveling than that. And there's a story on globalnews.ca. Right now, the headline, Passengers Stuck on Nightmare Air Transat Plane for Hours. Here's the story from Global National. Hundreds of passengers aboard two Air Transat flights, which were diverted to Ottawa. The passengers had already been flying for hours, only to find themselves enduring terrible conditions on the ground. Mike Drolet is following this story. Mike, some passengers apparently called 911 for help. Yes, Donna, they felt they had no choice but to call 911 because after Air Transat flight ran out of water and food and in stifling heat, desperation set in. Who called 911 from this aircraft? This video was taken inside the plane. Once the air conditioning went out, an airline official could be heard asking for passengers to sit down so they could open the doors and allow fresh air to get in. And then five hours in, the power went out, leaving passengers in the dark, literally and figuratively. So what happened? Well, flight 157 from Brussels to Montreal was rerouted because of a storm. While sitting on the tarmac, passengers began tweeting the airline as well as the airport. And this is where we get conflicting stories. In a tweet, the airport said it was up to the airline to determine whether to deplane or not. And in an email to Global News, Transat says the airport was unable to provide loading bridges or stairs or even replenish the aircraft's empty drinking water reservoir. The airport not only denied those claims, but tweeted a photo of the plane in question with stairs attached. Now, this is particularly troubling for Air Transat because this happened on a second plane. Air Transat Flight 507 from Rome was also rerouted to Ottawa, and those passengers had to sit on the tarmac for close to five hours. Donna? Mike, how does this happen? Doesn't someone either at the airport or the airline have the authority to get people off a plane when this happens or at least improve the conditions on board, you know, give them reasonable amounts of food and water? Well, it's up to both of them to work together, but Air Transit has its own policies that state that if uh, passengers left on the plane for over 90 minutes, they should be allowed to disembark. Now, it should be noted that this happened to 20 other planes from other airlines yesterday, but none of them were allowed to disembark. But also airport officials say none of them experienced the same problems as the Air Transat flights. All right, it seemed to be worse on those flights. Uh, Mike Drolet, thank you. So once again, if you want to read this story, you just look for passengers stuck on nightmare air transat plane for hours without air conditioning or food. You can find that at globalnews.ca. How long have you ever been stuck on a tarmac? I think 45 minutes maximum. I was coming home from Calgary at Christmas one time and they pushed us away from the jetway and then they discovered there was an issue with the engine or something. I'm glad they didn't take off. I don't want them taking off if there's any question about the safety. Uh, But that that would be about maximum for me. I mean, you, you know you're right there. The terminal is you know, walkable. I don't care how far away you are. Uh, yeah, that's just, that's inhumane, quite frankly. And uh, in the summertime, yeah, 
You know how hot it gets in those airplanes, even if they're running the air conditioning when you're on the ground. That is not good. That's not a good situation. I I don't understand why customer service is dead. Where did it go? Yeah, and when it comes to air travel, you mean, or just in general? In general. Can I tell you something that happened to me yesterday? Sure. Stop for a tea. I don't drink coffee, but I love the steep tea at Tim Hortons. I wish more of you people who are trying to get uh, business and that have drive-thrus would do the steep tea because the tea bag is very inconvenient in the car. Yeah. I'm not steeping my own tea. So it's great for me. I love it. Go in, make my order. The lady in front of me clearly got the wrong order. Slammed on her brakes, stepped out of the car, took it back to the window, handed it back in, and I get what they call a dome lid. It's not at the Timmy's. I, I don't get the lid that you have to break open. It's kind of more the Starbucks dome lid style of lid. Yeah. So I pull up to the window. They hand me my tea. I pay for it. And before I do anything with it, I always smell it because probably one out of every seven times I get coffee instead of tea. Okay. Smelt fine. I looked at the person working the window. I said, I have a question for you. Is this the same beverage that you accidentally gave to the person in front of me? Yes. Can I please have a fresh tea, please? Well, hang on. So they... Uh-huh. They, oh, okay. Yeah. So the the the, tea, the the beverage that you were given was the one that went to the was car in possession of another customer for maybe only three or four seconds. But they don't know how she decided or figured out that she had the wrong order. Yeah. I don't know if she smells her coffee to make sure she doesn't have tea. I kind of doubt that. Tea drinkers smell to make sure they don't have coffee. Uh, coffee drinkers don't smell their beverages before they taste them to make sure they don't have tea. Yeah. So there's a really good chance that the mouth of that patron was on my tea and they were going to give it to me. I was not happy. Well, you nor should you have been happy. When I worked in fast food, I worked at Taco Bell. That was a thing that would happen sometimes where the wrong order would get sure. handed to the wrong person. And you just you made another one. If they, especially if it was went into their car and then they said, this isn't what I ordered, you take it and you throw it away mm-hmm. and you make it fresh uh, for whoever was supposed to get that order. So my condolences that you had to go through that. No, you know what? I just, like I say, it's just uh, one of those signs that common sense is dead and, and the whole overall concept of thinking one step ahead of your customer to make sure they're satisfied is a dying art form. And, and so when I receive service that it's apparent that people are thinking a step or two ahead, I applaud it. But uh, when that happens, and I apologize for using uh, the name of the establishment on the air, but I I just love the tea so much. So I, I was trying to give a shout. I was trying to balance out the story a little bit, if as <laughs> as it were. As far as the air transit story is concerned, I think the complication for keeping people on the tarmac is they had been rerouted to Ottawa. It's supposed to it's a flight from Brussels to Montreal that got rerouted, so they were waiting for clearance. So the, the problem is the clearance could come at any moment. So if you deplane and everybody scatters and then you get clearance from the airport for takeoff, 
if everybody's gone, then you might lose that clearance. And then it's anyway, they're clearly the way that it was handled on all on all sides, whether it was the airport, the airline. I don't know. If they you really ask them right the now, would you do it exactly the same way? Not one of them would say, yes, we do it exactly the same way. That's how you know that you made a mistake and you didn't do it right. It is coming up to time to have a look at traffic as well as weather. So we'll do that in two minutes. I want to thank the uh, Tim Hortons manager that uh, gave a call to 7806868, apologizing for my experience. Should not have gone down that way. See, that's customer service. And I'm sure that the manager of that, whatever location of you course. were at, had, that, had the manager seen that happen? Would have been horrified. Yeah, there would have yeah, been. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you very much for that. I, uh, Like I say, I apologize for using Tim Hortons as the example. It's just, I love the tea there, as I mentioned. And so there was really no way around telling the story without referencing the tea, because there's no really anywhere else to, to get the steep tea. So there you go. We have stuff to give away. Tyson was texting earlier saying, did you guys give your tickets away yet? No, we haven't done it yet. We have tickets for Nickelback. Think they are coming to Winnipeg Thursday, September 21st at Bell MTS Place. Is this song okay, Greg? Yesterday you were rather gaggy. Yeah, this this one's all right. I don't mind this one. This is Leader of Men. And today's question, what is the name of Nickelback's second full-length album? Should be an easy one for Nickelback fans as well as attentive listeners because I have mentioned it a couple of times this week. What is the name of Nickelback's second full-length album? You must call 204-780-6868 for your shot at the Nickelback tickets coming to Winnipeg, Thursday, September 21st at Bell MTS Place. Lots of text messages here on a multiple or on a variety of topics. We're still we're still getting pictures of animals. <laughs> it's uh, morphed into pictures of cat everybody's cats and dogs. And Kelly has sent us a couple of pictures of massive fish. Gorgeous walleye. That he's caught. Is that what that is? Mm-hmm. Good lord, that is sensational. Well done, sir. This is, uh, he says, here's a nicer one a couple, a couple of weeks ago from a kayak in a hike in the lake. That's pretty neat. Well done to you, sir. And here's a text on the Air Transat situation. Uh, the real reason passengers did not get off the plane or the aircraft restocked is dollars. Air Transit would have to pay a huge fee for the service. That's a fair point. It does. They It costs to do anything and everything at the airport, and it costs a lot of money. So that's probably why they didn't want to get them off the plane, because, yeah, there would be... There that's would a be, great excuse. I'm sure the, the parents and all the people, the old older people who uh, didn't have any water or food for six hours sitting on the ground, I'm sure they feel real, real good about that. Yeah, well, the fallout is, I'm sure, going to be uh, Way poor. more expensive, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Coming up to 323, that means your forecast and sports are up next. I'll do my best to be interesting in this uh, next four or five minutes. Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry with you on this Wednesday afternoon. Thanks for taking some time with us. We're getting pictures, as you mentioned, cats, dogs, and fish from uh, folks that are listening. What was the world? That was horrible. Was that? that was a weird sound effect that the paper just made. <laughs> Scraping up against my keyboard, I think. Well, I'm just glad you didn't get a paper cut out uh-huh. of that. Those are the worst. Yeah, they of are. All the things, all the serious things that can happen to you is an injury. <laughs> paper cut like ranks like in the top ten things. I think I'd rather have a broken foot.
yeah, and to have a nasty paper cut. I think the re- the reason why people always get so upset by them is it's always such an avoidable thing, right? Because it's just it's it's just a piece of paper, and then you cut yourself with it. Yeah, yeah. well, you got to be careful. Uh, this falls under the category. We have this discussion on the air, and I'll confess we have it off the air as well. Brett and I will read your text messages and your emails, and and you will say something, and you'll be quoting back to us something that we said, or take task, take us to task on something that that we've said, and it's like I don't think we said that at all, and that certainly wasn't. But we're trying to intimate, but certain people will hear what they want to hear based on their prejudice towards certain things. And I sent this to you the other night, this picture, this Facebook post from an anti-immigration Facebook group in Norway who looked at a picture of empty bus seats and saw a threat. Now, if you ride the bus in Winnipeg and that's the only bus that you ride, these seats will not look familiar. But if you have traveled in Europe and other large cities around North America where they have commuter buses, they have taller backs on them and kind of a built-in headrest. Yeah. So if you can imagine almost like those seats that they, the soccer players sit on, mm-hmm. on the sidelines, they are customized and they're really tall. They have a built-in headrest. That's what this is a picture of, uh, six of them, in fact, on one side of a bus it looks to be in the very back of it. You want to take it from there? Members of an anti-immigration Facebook group in Norway looked at this picture of empty bus seats and saw a threat. The group Fedralandet Viktigst, which translates roughly to Fatherland First, jumped to the conclusion that it was a group of women wearing burkas. And just as I, as I pause press pause for a moment. I, I hope I pronounce that anywhere close to being right, but apologies to any of our Norwegian members of the audience. Second, at first glance, when you first see this this photo, I can see how the there might be a, just a brief moment of, are those people or seats? So it's not, it's not completely obvious at first glance. So the post reads... What do people think about this? In the comments, people said it was frightening, tragic, and others were worried the supposed women had weapons and bombs under their burkas. It looks really scary. Should be banned. You can never know who is under there. Could be terrorists with weapons. Their reactions went viral after somebody shared screenshots of the comments on Facebook. And this is uh, from somebody named Sindre Bayer, who says, quote, What happens when it puts out a picture of some empty seats on a group like this on Facebook and almost everyone thinks they see a bunch of burkas? The group's comments were widely mocked and garnered international attention. Bayer told Norwegian news outlet Netta Wiesen he wanted to share the post so people could see what was happening. I'm shocked by how much hate and fake news is spread there. The hatred that was displayed towards some empty bus seats really shows how much prejudices Trump wisdom. The sentiment isn't isolated to one Facebook group. Just last month, Norway's government party proposed a law to ban face coverings in schools and universities, including kindergartens. France, the Netherlands, Belgium, Bulgaria, and the German state of Bavaria have all imposed restrictions on wearing full face veils in public places. I confess, when I looked at this, I could have seen exactly 
what this Facebook group wanted me to see. Yep. Uh, I looked really close. And it's like, no, yeah, I can see the light. Yeah, no, those are empty bus seats. So we do jump to conclusions, right? Based on a headline, based on a way we're nudged by certain language within an article. Mm-hmm. And we see or hear what we want to hear sometimes. It is a real symptom of how this whole fake news environment is manipulating us. Yeah. It's perception, right? If you if you are a member of a of a group like this, of a clear of a group that is anti-immigration, and you look at this picture, if you see the picture and you're told, you know, the post says this is a bunch of people wearing burqas on a bus, what do you think of this? You probably don't even really take a close look at the picture. You just glance at it like like I did, like you did, where I actually had to stop and say, oh, those are bus seats, because that's what the headline says, uh, women wearing burqas. You see those three words, you look at the picture, you go, yep, and then you realize it's actually bus chairs. Was it Rick Mercer that used to do the interviewing Americans thing, talking about Canadians and asking them about... Canadians, and he would lead them to certain places in terms of, so what do you think of uh, Brett McGarry, uh, this Prime Minister of Canada? He, he's got some real <laughs> radical views about uh, America and uh, this trade embargo that he's proposed against America. What do you think? And this outrage would come out of people who clearly had no idea who the yeah. Prime Minister of Canada was, had no idea that that was a fake news story. And this is going back 15 years or more when we used to kind of play on people's naivete. Yeah. And it was very entertaining. Now it's like, wow, this has gotten to the point where it can be somewhat dangerous that people fall for this stuff hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, and because this is clearly a group that's not... Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to use the word hate, but this is a group that where I think dangerous is probably an appropriate word because it's it's clearly not a place where people go to sing kumbaya. There's right? an agenda. Yeah, right. It's, it's not a friendly agenda. It's not a happy agenda. And uh, they see a picture of empty bus seats. They see what they want to see. They see women wearing burkas, which they think is radical. And they don't like it, and they go on their Facebook group, and they express their outrage, and now they are the the butt of an international joke. Anti-immigration Facebook group. Go to global uh, globalnews.ca, and you can uh, source out that story from Global News, or send Brett an email, brett at cjob.com. He'll send you the link, or send me an email, gmac at cjob.com, and I'll send you the link. Jason just sent us a picture of three shadowy figures all wearing ro- robes and and uh, sort of headdress they look like uh, like something you might see in a, you know like a like an emperor's guard or something and it's a photo it's in a, it says i spent half an hour trying to talk with them wanting to learn about their culture until the bartender col- cut me off and told me they were patio umbrellas it's a great picture <laughs> thank you jason 346 on 680 CJOB, we will discuss traffic, weather, and then we'll hear from Julie Buckingham and Hal Anderson to find out what's coming up on the news. Fred McGarry with Greg Macklin. Congratulations to Matthew Holden. 
who has won the Nickelback tickets today. Again, Nickelback coming to Winnipeg Thursday, September 21st at Bell MTS Place. Today's question, what is the name of Nickelback's second full-length album from which the song that you are hearing right now, Leader of Men, hails from? The name of the album, I've said it a couple of times this week, Greg. What is it? No idea? The State. It's called The State. So congratulations, Matthew Holden, and we are now joined by Hal Anderson and Julie Buckingham. That is, uh, coming up on the news. By, by the way, that is when Nickelback was amazing. Yeah. Early on. Yeah, that's right. when uh, the, the state was, uh, they lost their, their cred, so mm. to speak, after their next one was Silver Side Up. Silver Side Up was Well, essentially, one. after they got popular and made all their money, then people kind of, a lot of people started, uh, you know, which is often the case, right? Yeah, they, I've never understood that. Oh, they... Band does well. Laugh. We don't like them anymore. Yeah. Well, and I'll, and their songs did tend to sort of. You Do you know. think that that would have happened if the hip had taken off internationally? Yeah, that's I don't. A, uh, yeah, it's mm. interesting. I don't know why the hip never uh, really took off. Uh, I remember being in Los Angeles and the hip was playing. Um, Oh gosh, what's that blues? They have blues clubs all over the states, Greg. Yeah, yeah. Is it House of Blues? House of Blues. House of Blues. Yep. They were playing well, the House right. of Blues. They had about 1,500 people. So they certainly had their fans, but no, they never got big in the states like probably th- they should have. I think I've heard maybe even Alan Cross say it on, the, on this radio station. A lot of the times, a lot of the problem is when they play in the states, any Canadians who happen to be visiting that area right. go see the hip. Yeah. So the shows are always full of Canadians. Right. So, so they don't get exposed to any Americans. Yeah. <laughs> We buy all but the my, seats. My my question was, yeah. would we not like the hip if they were popular? I don't know. I don't know. Is that I, the yeah. reason? I, I think know. Hal was onto something too. Nickelback, they figured out the formula for right. successful right. radio rock. And they just rock. kept doing it. Yeah. 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 Whereas the hip, the hip, they just kept writing their own songs regardless yeah. of what you thought of it. Mm-hmm. So, By the way, doesn't Julie look great today? Her hair? Yeah. She, 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 done, she done did her hair. <laughs> and uh, she's, <laughs> looking, uh, she's looking great for uh, Bruno Mars tonight. Because oh, it is radio, you know. It's important that I look good for you guys. Are you in the front row? tonight. I'm pretty close, actually. Really? You might see me. Are you anticipating uh, an appearance on the stage tonight where you might um, dance with one Bruno no, Mars? No, no. I'm too old. For anybody who's oh, not seen <laughs> Bruno Mars, my brother has seen like probably 300 concerts, and my brother says, hands down, the best really? show. Oh, yes. I have not seen him, and so I'm my my rating is tough to get tough to crack the top five, so mm. we'll see. Well, I'm uh, I'm anxious to hear your review of the okay. concert tomorrow. I'm not going myself. I get to stay home with my children so that my lovely wife can go to the concert tonight. Oh, so nice? she can yeah. dance with Bruno Mars. Yeah, yeah. that's okay. She Good. she earned it. Mm. What are you guys coming up? Uh, just go. <laughs> 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 Best radio throw ever. Well, yesterday. Just a bit outside. Yesterday we learned that Hal likes to peruse um, the want ads. I do. Oh, yes. yes. To read the job opportunities. I don't know why. I'm not really looking for work. I enjoy not, not working that much, but I do like to, I always have, even back in the days when you used to look at the career section sure. in the paper, you know, just yeah. to see what's out there. I don't know. So then today Weird. on Global News, I discovered that NASA has a job opportunity mm-hmm. that pays six figures, yes. and all you have to do is basically protect us from an alien attack. (laughs) So um, naturally we're interested. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to pursue that a little bit further. By the way, uh, Julie, the position is called planetary protection officer. 
Oh. So. I, I, I'm going to be working on my resume tonight after the kids go to bed. Yes. There you right. go. Yeah. That We'll have David Papp on, uh, your tech expert, on uh, Premier Pallister's emails to find out just how secure they really were. Aside from the fact that just, they were going to a completely different person. Are we just really discovering that our Premier just is not very literal, liter, literate? Like I'm illiterate <laughs> with uh, with technology in his case, me with words, him with well, technology. Uh, and I don't, to be honest with you, this is just how I feel about this. I don't really care. I, I mean, listen, I don't think he's dealing with that big of security, you know, thi- like so somebody happened to get a look at the draft of the throne speech or the uh, budget speech. I, I don't think it happened, but even if it did, is it a big deal? Well, his I don't wife know. would get it. So No, I know, but who cares? I don't care. Do you care, Greg? Well, I like protocol, and I like I protocol of, I to be care. followed. There's yeah. a reason why these rules well, and are now, in place, and, and right? And now he says that there are new rules in place, and he will follow them, so I guess. Yeah. If we don't follow protocol and get out, Jeff oh, is going to be mad. we got a great show coming up, though. Yeah. Bottom line, great show. Hal Anderson, Julie Buckingham, the news from 4 until 7. Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry, we are done. And thanks to Jeff Forte and Master Control. Thanks for listening to Mackling and McGarry on 680 CJOB.